Brothers and Sisters in Christ A reading from Romans chapter 9 verses 1 through 5 Now let us attend to God's wisdom for us today. At the same time, you need to know that I carry with me at all times a huge sorrow. It's an enormous pain deep within me. I'm never free from it. I'm not exaggerating. Christ and the Holy Spirit are my witnesses. It's the Israelites. If there were any way I could be cursed by the Messiah so that they could be blessed by him, I'd do it in a minute. They are my family. I grew up with them. They had everything going for them. Family, glory, covenants, revelation, worship, promises, to say nothing of being the race that produced the Messiah, the Christ, who is God over everything, always. Oh yes, this ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, please pray with me. Good and gracious God, in the midst of the struggles we have today, in the midst of the brokenness of our society, your wisdom speaks truth, a truth that grows within us, a truth that lives within us. O oh, good and gracious God, I humbly ask that that truth, that living truth, might be reflected in the words I speak and the thoughts of those who encounter this today. May your truth be with us. May your good news be present with us. I humbly pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. At the introduction of this text, I think there is something I feel like I have to address. There are some uncomfortable realities of this text. I know that there are many colleagues of mine who are more conservative than my, me, or who are a part of a Christian nationalist point of view or a part of the alt-right who would look at this text as some way justifying some type of anti-Semitism. I want to make it clear, I don't think that those arguments hold, and yet I am acknowledging people do make those arguments. 
And while I would love to have a debate or dialogue about that within this text, and that within the larger scriptural context, and I would choose to have that at any time, at any place, I choose not to have it today. For me, as I read this text, it spoke to me in a very personal way, in a way I was not really expecting. Often when you read the text, there is a type of intellectual exercise that you must perform. You open up the text, you try to unpack either the argument or the narrative that is laid out in front of you, breaking it into its component parts, trying to understand the symbols and the images that are used, because these texts come from a different context. You begin to understand the importance of the words that get used, whether it is in the translation in English or in the original form. Yet, in some ways, as I was reading this text, as I was sitting and letting it live within me for a moment, it occurred to me that Paul's statements, while unique to his context, are statements that I feel could be said throughout time. And it is interesting to me that what that says about where we're at. I could even see Paul posting this on his Facebook wall, or this could be a live Instagram video. Where Paul is speaking to a loss. Too often I've seen posts of someone I've known for a very long time that I knew as a little kid and yet when I read where they're at I come away realizing that we are now in two very different realities. We are no longer what we thought we were. You know, this past summer, it's been interesting. Beth and I would go out on the porch when it's a nice day and go through our Facebook feed and our social media feed. And ultimately, at some point in that quietness of the day, enjoying our time together, something will come across each of our posts and immediately, what were they thinking? How can they say that? Are questions that get asked. And as you begin to interrogate the post or your feelings about the post, it becomes really challenging to try to understand how they make sense. will come across somebody that we knew at one point 
and inevitably at the end of this conversation will come away or Beth will say, well, that's why I had to leave. There's a pain when you come to realize this. These people are good people. Even though we are having a hard time understanding the goodness in light of our own fears and angers and their fears and angers. You know, as a pastor, there's a part of me who would love to take apart this technological baggage and or this theological or cultural baggage we find ourselves in and just sit down with the person across the table to have a conversation. To see them for who they really are. It's not easy to do that. You see, it's in those moments that you struggle with this reality of what you perceived as a relationship at one moment in time and now the way you see the world working, which are two very different things. Yet, there's something about that brokenness that, that, that affects maybe the very nature of who we are. Because ultimately, the way we get a sense of our own identity is by the relationships we have with one another. And the way we understand our relationships with one another. And if we have to lose or change that, we have to lose and change some of our identity to acknowledge that we are no longer in the place we were in the past means that something's changed, either about us or about them. And often it's both. then we have to let go of that little bit of who we were and who we are. That's why I feel so often in these debates we find ourselves in our culture, we aren't just kind of debating some kind of intellectual facts of the matter or even an emotional ideological background. We are we are attacking people at their very identities. That's why I think Paul speaks to us in a very real way. Speaking to what he was feeling as his separation from his people. This was his family. It was the people he grew up with. Paul speaks to this in a very real way, what he feels in that separation. But the line that hits me the most 
is in verse 3. In the fear and anguish and sadness, you read this. If there were any other way that I could be cursed by the Messiah so that they could be blessed by it, I would do it in a minute. Paul here is willing to sacrifice the good he knows so that others might not suffer. How often do we hear this in our own context? How often do we hear that? Not very. Now, as in that moment, I think we see what God did for us through Christ. In creating empathy for us, allows others to gain valuable resources to keep our identity while growing in the relationship in these challenging times. When I find myself in an identity of Christ, I see something bigger. It opens up an opportunity to have empathy for the other. Paul wanting to be the substitute speaks to his empathy. And if we take the gospel seriously, if we take it at its genuine kind of core knowledge, it is about God having empathy for us, that God could not relate to us because of God's omnipresence, because of God's all-knowing, all-being personality. So God had to limit itself to be like one of us and took on the form of a human in Christ and knew what love and what suffering and what joy and what sadness was, ultimately making that sacrifice for us. God understood God had to have empathy for, empathy for us if God was going to reconcile with one of us. Now, it's not easy to say we should have empathy for others. I am a sinner. I am not a saint in these matters. I wish I could just say there are these three simple things that you can just easily do and suddenly everything will be better. And that's not the reality we know. In that very moment, you want to say and you want to express who you are as a person and what you identifies you as a person. But having that willingness to have that empathy may cause you to be afraid of having to change that identity. You see what they're doing and you can no longer say that's what I would agree with or that's where I'm at. And at the very nature, they're pushing at some very maybe core 
sensitive topics. I don't think it's easy to often have empathy for us. And I don't think it's easy to have that. But I think there are some traits or some discipline that can help us in that. A sense of curiosity is one thing. A willingness to engage the other and ask where they're at. And giving them an opportunity to speak to where they're at, as opposed to speaking to them in a way as you're preparing the next rebuttal. And giving them sense of empathy or, or curiosity in this moment is also about understanding that while you might have been in a different place in 10 or 15 years ago, you're in a new and different place now. And that you have to give space to be heard and to listen, as opposed to just having space to respond. Not just in the way you would have perceived in the past, but in the reality of now. See, this is the one thing that's interesting about trying to gain empathy with another. And to take on empathy toward, especially when it is a person that you disagree with. It requires growth. A growth of the relationship or a growth of you or often both. You have to have a sense of the, the reality of this relationship has changed. And yet the relationship exists. It continues. That's the key for there to be growth is that there has to be both change and consistency. For growth is a way of changing so that things can remain the same. And that's at the core of the Christian discipline of forgiveness and reconciliation requires growth. We live in very divisive time where our beliefs are leading us to value empathy for others. Maintaining those relationships in these divisive times is going to be challenging. Pauli, Paul's willingness to substitute himself speaks to a power of empathy. We must be willing to engage a diversity world with that similar empathy. To come to see that empathy helps us maintain relationships in the midst of these challenging conflicts, identity conflicts for us today. To see that that is a reflection of what Christ has done for us through God. 
And in our identity in Christ, we can reflect that in the relationships with the other. May it be so for us, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L dot org. May God be with you in the coming week.